Welcome to the Broker Growth Accelerator, where we discuss how real estate brokers can accelerate their growth by improving their agent recruiting and retention. I'm your host, Jim Turner, and today we'll discuss growth tactics with our special guest, who is a subject matter expert in the industry. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Jim Turner, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of BrokerKit, and I will be your host today. Today on the show, we're excited to have Chris Molinar, a super successful team leader in Canada, who's uh, joined us to talk about his experience growing his business. Chris, welcome to the Broker Growth Accelerator today. Excellent. Thanks for having me. Okay, fantastic. Maybe let's just start out with some background. So how long have you been in the business, and how did you get into kind of running your own team and, and, and building it? Yeah, great question. I've been in the business since 2013, so it's been close to 10 years. And, you know, I rigid really started my business from scratch. I grew up in a family that, that really was not business oriented. We we're all tradespeople in my family. And so just getting into sales was, you know, something that was totally fish out of water. I was the black sheep to be doing anything business related. So I started as a solo agent in a city that uh, I didn't grow up in. So I didn't know anybody here, no sales experience, no business experience. Um, I didn't even have a suit. I didn't have a collared shirt. I literally started from scratch and built uh, my business from scratch and learned everything. I guess you could say the hard way, school of hard knocks, so to speak, maybe you could say. Right. But really I built it from scratch and I started as a solo agent. And what I soon realized was the, the learning curve was immense, but it seemed to me that it was easy to grow as a solo agent for the first few years, but then there's only so much that you can do. There's only so many hours in a day. And then I started to look at what it takes to scale uh, a traditional real estate team or get into the real estate brokerage side of things. You know, it, it took me a while till I finally found a platform that, that worked for me. And, and as soon as I, I got involved, I was the, the first um, in my city to, to start expanding um, with the business model here at EXP, but it's been about three years now and there is currently 114 of us. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the coolest things is the fact that we're, we're not only active in our local market, we're active in uh, most Canadian provinces already and then into the US as well. And so, you know, I'm happy to share what sort of worked for us to, you know, be able to expand, um, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's also been challenging, but I think that's that's really what forces us to grow is every time that you reach a new fork in the road, you you learn something along the way and, and keep moving forward. So, Sure, absolutely. And I really like that you touched on kind of figuring out how to really scale a business and kind of a model around it. You know, that's kind of our reason for existence here at BrokerKit. We believe that most, uh, most folks in real estate are super focused on the sales pipeline, selling homes, right? But to really scale a business... Uh, like any business, you need to focus on the talent funnel. And uh, we, we would argue it's probably more important to focus on the talent funnel if you really want to scale your business, because um, instead of getting a new buyer or seller that maybe you sell at home every seven years, um, you know, if you get a producing agent on your team you, uh, that's going to be sell, bringing in sales regularly, you're creating um, a source of residual income for yourself and your business to kind of scale it up. And I think that's why EXP has really cracked that model. And that's why they're growing so fast, for sure. So I'm sure, you know, some of the people out there that are not with EXP want to hear kind of, you know, um, how it's kind of built and, 
you know, uh, what's, what's fueling that growth, growth. But it seems like Keller Williams was kind of the first to kind of figure that out. And then uh, EXP kind of jumped on and took it to kind of to the next level. And when you look at the growth numbers across the different brands, EXP is definitely kind of at the top. Um, and it's really because of the focus on that talent funnel versus kind of the sales funnel. But that's my perception, at least. What, what do you think about that? You know, it's interesting that you say that because in, in our market, I'm in S Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, if you can even pronounce that. But the truth of it is middle of nowhere, Canada, and our average price is like 330 to 350,000. And there's last I checked, there's probably close to 20, maybe less than 20 single family homes that sell over a million dollars here. This was as of a couple of years ago, so it might be a little bit more now. But like prices haven't increased very much over the last 10 years. It's very flat. My point is, if I was to ever sell a house for $5 million, it would be never going to happen. But if you sponsor an agent who does $5 million in production every single year, that's very, very attainable. And that's you earning income on $5 million worth of production every single year that that agent stays. Yeah. Now, if you if you partner with an agent who's influential and they help bring a friend with them or a family member gets into the business, etc., you know, the value of an agent is oftentimes, you know, $50,000, sometimes up to 150, up to 500,000 if it's a team, like, you know, if you bring on a team or something. So it's, it's an exponentially better use of your time, uh, bringing in talent, like you said, but it's the long game. So most people like it's, you're right about eXp. It, it is a platform to enable you to grow, but it, it, it's just like anything. It's not a magic pill. You have to put in the work. Right. And there's there's a significant portion of people that do very well, but there's a significant portion of people that just don't don't do enough with it. And I think one of the important factors is agents often don't look at their business like a real business. They treat it like a job. And I think that's a requirement to build a successful organization in any business model. Yeah, 100%. I mean, as an entrepreneur, what I've come to realize having kind of a software company, uh, you know, I thought initially I was in the software business, but what I'm really in is the hiring business because all that matters is the people that you hire and what, you know, the talent on your team and what they're able to accomplish. Because other than that, you have a job in any, any business, right? As an entrepreneur, the only way to scale any business, whether it's real estate or software company or anything, is by building a great team and let them do their thing. So let's let's maybe get into some specifics. Um, so how many, well, you mentioned 114, but I was gonna ask how many agents do you have now and maybe where do you wanna be you know, 12 months from now? What are your goals? You know, it's, it's hard to predict where we're gonna be at total group because I'm at 114 agents, but I've only personally brought in, I think 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. So the rest of that success has been a result of the business model and I guess, you know, duplicating leadership throughout your organization, because it really is a brokerage inside of a brokerage kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can set a goal to have 25 agents that I personally bring in, but with, with the growth trajectory that we're on, the momentum we have, I think it's reasonable to say we'll be around 200 to 250 conservatively total group by the end of the next 12 months. But to really stretch it, if I bring in a couple teams that do well um, throughout the group, it's doable. My stretch goals is 500, but I think that that's a really, really big push that I would really have to bring in some talent 
right. to do that, but it is possible. I'd like to at least be on pace to 500 right. um, or within, within the horizon by the time um, 12 months passes. Right. And that's, you know, that's, you know, obviously a lofty goal during a transitional period in the market too. So um, great. Um, so what are you looking for? Like, what's your, you know, are you looking for agents? Are you looking for team leaders? What's your ideal pro- profile of either agents or team leaders and kind of like why? You know, it's interesting that you ask that because you might immediately think that you want the biggest superstars and you do because they're influential. Um, but it's kind of like if you're always going for a grand slam, how often are you going to hit it versus consistently getting base hits? So like you'd be surprised how many teams are out there of three to five agents or how many groups there are of friends that are realtors of three to five agents that collaborate, that that those are the ones, those are the base hits. Those are solid, good base hits. Um, if you bring in, you know, a capping agent, which is an agent that does almost six figures a year, that's consistent revenue. Um, if you bring in a new agent, it's a toss up. As we know, one in five agents is going to be successfully, consistently productive. Um, there's a lot of part-time agents that do well as a bonus, but if they're not relying wholeheartedly on real estate as a primary income source, then they could—they really could fall out of the business at any time if something significant changes. Um, and then, of course, there's there's the big fish. So you could bring in a brokerage. You know, you could sponsor a brokerage of 50 agents, uh, 15 agents or more, and so. Um, there's a bit of a balance with our model, bringing in people personally and then helping grow the organization overall. Um, so that's why it's hard to determine where we'll be at uh, long term. But I would say the ideal prospect for, for what I do is somebody who is open minded to look at a new opportunity, somebody who is also uh, hungry, which you can't teach that, and then coachable because you never know, like an agent that does. 15 to 20 homes a year, um, or even a new agent who's like an up and comer, that person might be the one person that consistently puts in the effort talking to other agents as they build their business over the next five years. And to me, that's a bigger deal than I have agents in my group that sell hundred houses a year or more, almost 200 houses a year and have almost no interest in recruiting. And I have agents that are like capping agents or they're not icons. So they sell 20 to 30 houses a year and they have a group of five to 10 agents in their organization. So it's kind of like those three things are, I think, the most critical. You never really know who's going to be right. really big in this business model. So you kind of have to just work the numbers, stay consistent and let the law of averages work in your favor. And so in between kind of who you bring on directly and then in your downline, what percent are kind of new agents versus kind of experienced agents? I would say interesting statistic. Um, now, I think at EXP, I think it's somewhere between one to three percent of all EXP agents are icons. So that means that out of 86,000 realtors, only a small few percent of agents are actually doing, let's say, 35 deals a year would be in my market. If your average commission's higher, it might be closer to 30. But um, and, and I don't know that exact statistic, but in my in my organization, probably 25% of my agents are icons, which is significant. Um, and then I would say the next 25 to 30% are probably experienced productive capping agents, probably six figures, maybe 150 a year. And then the other 30% is probably new agents. We do have a significant number of new agents. Like um, I have, but I have new agents that are full-time that are crushing it. And then I have agents who are part-time that are crushing it. 
And I have a lot of agents that are part-time that are just sort of working their way in or are like a secondary income to the home or that have no plans of going full-time, um, which is totally okay. Everyone has different goals, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely a different challenge working with, with new agents, but uh, I'm very passionate about coaching and training real estate agents, but you can't do it for them. Right. That's why I mean hunger. You can't teach that. Like you have to come in and want to do stuff. You have to commit, you have to take risks and sacrifice. And that's just the way of the world, you know? So. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, kind of what are your sources of recruiting leads, whether they be new or experienced agents with EXP, you know, you're less given that it's virtual, right? You're not necessarily bound to your kind of local market, um, which is maybe a blessing, but it also makes it harder to get data. A lot of the, especially in the US, a little less so in Canada, um, a lot of the, uh, you know, broker owners or managing brokers and kind of larger brokerages in the States are typically leveraged. If they want experience agents, they're leveraging MLS data sources to kind of find those folks. Whereas yeah. in EXP, you're not necessarily a broker of record in these different MLSs. So, like if you're if you're kind of going beyond your city or like maybe just start within your city, new experience agents. And then when you're going outside of your kind of metro area, you know, where are you getting these recruiting leads from? You know, that that's a really great question. And what's really unique about what I'm doing right now is, as I'd mentioned, there's 114 agents in my group in in all of Saskatchewan, the province I'm in. There's only 1,500 realtors total. In my city, there's only six or probably about 600 realtors in my city. Um, and then all across the province of Saskatchewan, I think there's only 108 agents in, in EXP. So because I've been able to expand into different markets, it's enabled me to grow. But the fact that you bring that up about the MLS, that's really, that's, that, that, that's really funny because I was limited by my local market. But because of this business model, um, I've been able to expand outside. So when I talked to everybody I knew or everybody, anybody that would um, consider looking at a new opportunity, I ran out of people to talk to very quickly in my local market. So I, I went across the province and then, and then from there, we ended up sponsoring an agent in Manitoba. And so every, every time we open, as soon as we get our foot in the door in another market, that agent has access to the MLS information. So we'll, we'll take those lists and, I mean, technically there's a do not call list. And so I don't cold call agents and I don't even, I don't recommend cold calling agents. So my, my philosophy, my strategy has been first you get the list and then you go through that list. And so I have virtual staff that help me with this and we'll go through the list and we'll cross check those lists on social media. And so of course, here's the large list. There's only so many that are active on social media. There's only so many that will you know, accept our, our friend request or our follow us back on Instagram or LinkedIn. And then we'll just send messages and small talk with these agents and those that we have good rapport with. So again, only so many accept a friend request, only so many have good conversations. And then from those lists, we'll have uh, enough people that I can reach out to, to invite to local events and I'll fly out there um, and host a local event and do an EXP explained and then for those that show interest that can't make it or whatever, we'll keep, I'll do five or six events until we grow uh, to the point where one of my leaders in that local market can continue hosting events on their own. And then I'll try to open up into a new market. So that that's sort of my, my strategy. But uh, one of the biggest benefits in doing that is the relationships that you build for long term. 
So it's a little bit of a different skill set um, talking to agents and recruiting than it is, uh, let's say, selling houses. But it's similar to like working with a builder or working with a big investor. It's like you're talking to another business owner. And if there's anything that you can do to add value and support that person without, you know, doing business with them directly, it's always going to come full circle. So that, that that's sure. kind of, I would say, the long-term benefit is just building relationships, keeping in touch long-term. And then as you continue to work the law of averages, you're going to bump into a certain number of people that are ready to do something right now. Right, right. And then you mentioned kind of social media outreach is a kind of key component there. What platforms are you using? Is it LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, kind of all of the above? Like what, what do you see as working the, you know, the best there? Yeah. So my strategy is Facebook is my primary prospecting source for my, my primary platform, just because it's the most likely place to find people, number one. And it's also the most likely place for people to re-engage with you. It's, someone's more likely to accept your friend request and to be active on Facebook, especially for realtors, than they would be on LinkedIn or Instagram or any other platform. That being said, uh, I do now create YouTube videos and I'll take, I, t I do YouTube videos and then also do mastermind calls and I'll record the YouTube videos. I'll post them. I'll, I'll record some of my masterminds. And then I hire video editors to chop up those long, longer form content into smaller pieces. And I'll actually have them create transcriptions as well so that I can post multiple times per day on all platforms just to consistently stay top of mind with those that are engaged in my algorithm. And so I'll do that on you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, uh, YouTube. So I try to use all the platforms, but really I would say overall, when it comes to sales recruiting, I'm kind of like a turn every stone, do everything you can, stay consistent. But I'm not one of those people that's got like 70,000 followers on Instagram. You know, if collectively on all my platforms, I probably have less than 10,000. Mm -hmm. But again, it's more about the relationships and staying consistent. So just like anything, you don't need everybody. You just need people that are willing and wanting to do business with you. So you know, that's kind of my my philosophy is build relationships. And then, and then if you're cross-checking with those people on all different platforms, they're going to see you multiple times. Sure. Sure. So that's been my kind of approach. Stay top of mind. Okay. And then kind of following kind of the talent funnel, just like you would the sales funnel, you've generated leads. Now, you know, you set up an appointment. Let's talk about how do you qualify them? How do you close them? Um, how do you, yeah. you know, you get a conversation going, you get an appointment, uh, let's let's talk about how to figure out, are they a good fit? And then if they are, kind of close them. Yeah, that's a great question. And so with our business model, um, I, I would say the one of the largest parts is education. So either agents don't know about eXp or they have a preconceived notion about what eXp is. So one of the largest uh, parts of what I do is educating people about the business model. So it's just get them exposed to the information, keep the conversation going to the point where they either say, heck yes, I'm in or not for me or not right now. Right. Um, and then just consistently keep in touch. So there's no real hard close per se, but, but what will sometimes happen with newer agents or people that are like, I'm moving companies, I'm going somewhere. Um, what generally happens is they'll either talk to one or two EXP agents, um, or maybe they know one or two. Um, and then they might talk to one or two other brokerages if they are interviewing different, different avenues. 
And what I've found works the best is literally just finding out what what's most important to them and gearing your value proposition to their particular pain point or their particular main focus of interest in, in what their goals are. So it's like, what's your goal for the next 12 months? What are your biggest challenges for getting there? And then just having our value proposition be the solution to that. And so that, that's been my biggest determining factor for success. It's people say, well, why should they pick me? It's like, well, what's important to them? If you're the only person speaking to what's important to that person, rather than saying, we do this and we do that. And here's what's great about us. They're going to pick you just because you're focused on what's important to them. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have people ask me, well, what, you know, like, you know, I, I need a script, right? And it's like, it, it kind of depends on how you pop proposition in your brokerage. Are you high end luxury boutique? Are you hundred percent commission? Are you, you know, like uh, it, it kind of depends, right? Um, what do you think, what are the agents that um, are the best fit for the EXP model? Like what's different about them compared to, oh, those people are better fit for kind of more of a traditional brokerage. One thing I found was everybody at EXP is very growth minded. And so it doesn't matter if you're brand new first day in this business or if you're close to retirement or if you're, you know, wanting to light the world on fire and you want to build this as big as you possibly can. Or if you're just, you know, a top, top, top salesperson, I would say everybody's open. Everybody is um, sharing and collaborating with each other. So there's, there's not that political feel as there is at some companies where it's competition. Um, but I would say very general statement was, would be that we are very growth minded, um, long-term think outside the box. I, I would say that's the best fit for EXP, not necessarily me specifically, although that is a part of it, but I would say growth minded people that think outside the box and think for themselves. Because if you're new to market with EXP, some of your peers, when I first moved to EXP, people are, well, I've never heard of EXP. So, you know, you kind of get that people doubt it in the beginning, but then after a while they start to see momentum and say, oh, gee, maybe I should have. Right. So, so you have to be able to think for yourself and you have to be able to believe in the business model. Um, right. So you have to be able to think outside the box, think for yourself and, and be growth minded. Sure. Sure. Okay. And then, you know, closing an agent's part of it, right. But to really grow, you need your agents to kind of stick around. You need to retain them. They need to be successful and they have to produce. Right. Um, and so, you know, that kind of comes down to driving engagement and kind of coaching them. Um, you know, the best offense oftentimes is a defense, at least in the States, uh, you know, the, the best offense and, and football, you know, gets the headlines, but, um, the best defense wins the Super Bowls, right? Um, and so what what are some of the things that, you know, whether they're kind of within your team directly or kind of in your downline, what are the resources that you and kind of the brokerage overall are bringing to bear to help them, you know, to coach them around production, basically to help them succeed and then, you know, also keep them engaged too? Yes, another great question. So I would say part of this applies to all companies and part of this is specific to EXP, but I think getting them a win early on as soon as possible is important, especially if they're new, get them a win as soon as possible, um, get them plugged into the resources that you have available. And then at EXP, if you're, if you're building an organization within EXP, it'll soon grow to the point where you can't keep up with everything. You have to focus on the people in your front line 
and then maybe the people in your second line on top of that. And then you have to encourage that type of leadership. You have to duplicate leadership throughout your organization so everybody does the same thing. And that's why teaching the simplest way to get from A to B is basically what duplicates. But um, so there's a few different ways, like getting new agents plugged into what you have available. You can teach one-on-one to the people in your front line or to people that are winning big and want to grow within the organization. But then people that are that are um, taking action that aren't fully committed, you have to coach them by group on, on group calls, etc. cetera. Um, and then of course, it's been said that a recruit is not a recruit until they get a recruit. So if you bring someone in and you help them bring someone in, they're not likely to leave if they're earning revenue share from one of their buddies or if they have a buddy agent they're working with, they're committed to helping that person succeed too. They're, they're not gonna leave. And then of course we have our icon agent award. So if an agent does qualify for a stock award that's vested for three years, they're not likely gonna leave at least you know, and, and if they if they achieve Icon Award one year, they're more likely going to achieve it the next year. And so they're plugged in and they're in it to win it in most cases. So long and the short of it is you got to get them winning and you got to get them winning early. And then I think duplicating leadership and getting them plugged into what you have to offer. Okay. And then driving engagement is one that I kind of hear consistently. It's not just coaching them, but it's keeping their head in the game, right? So that they kind of develop the habits and stick with it, really. Um so, you know, having a virtual model brings a lot of challenges because you, when I ask traditional brokerages, how do you drive engagement? The, the common answer is I get them in the office, right? And I get them involved in team events. So how do you, what are the unique challenges in the virtual model, how you drive that? And I mean, are there any offices? Do you have like co-working spaces that people meet up in? Do they meet up in coffee shops? Like how much face-to-face interaction is there truly in that kind of virtual model? Yep. So that, that's a big part of what I was mentioning about doing monthly um, events in each local market. That's my goal is to get a leader in each local market hosting monthly events where they do meet in person. And then on top of that, I do uh, weekly group coaching calls. Um, I do two a week. I do one on sales production and I do one on um, duplicating leadership. So uh, attracting agents for the other leaders in my group. Um, so that helps me determine who's engaged and who's not. And then I would say outside of that, the experienced agents need to be winning, but they're a little bit more automatic. And then the newer agents, you need to keep tabs of who's in your group that is new. Do they have a buddy agent supporting them? Um, and is it you or is it somebody else? And and so the, that's important to keep tabs on. It's it's really the newer agents that need to succeed. It's the newer agents is where you're going to see most of your turnover. So again, you can't do it for them, but you got to make sure that you don't drop the ball and that you are there for them. So. Uh, that's also a big reason why I started doing YouTube. It's not it's not just to attract agents. I don't think YouTube is going to be a primary attraction source, at least not in the beginning. I did it because agents that are part time don't often aren't often available to show up to our our weekly coaching calls Monday mornings. And they would ask me questions that I answered on the call last week or this week. So I started saying, I'm just going to record it. And if they have questions, watch this video and then let's connect for a call afterwards because if I'm if I'm connecting for a call with an agent in the evening, it's kind of like, and I'm answering a question I already answered this week. It's just to me it made sense to just start recording it, and then might as well you know do it publicly to for everyone to see. And so, do you put those in an LMS somewhere, or do you just kind of point them to your YouTube channel? Like, do you turn it into kind of a curriculum? How do how do you leverage that content? Yeah, I don't have an organized curriculum, but the video topics that I put out are oftentimes um, commonly, frequently asked questions from the people in my group or people that I talk to. 
Um, and then I sort of, you know, of course, try to gear the titles towards what's, you know, some popular search terms and stuff, but, but generally it's just the people I'm already connected with. Okay. And then, so when do you know that you made a great hire? Is it one month later, three months later? And what do you need to see to know, you know, whether it's, and maybe the answer is different if it's experience versus new. Um, but, you know, what are you looking to see there? Mm. That is a great question. And, and to me, it's not really, I, I don't look at it as hiring because it's here at our, our business model, agents are partnering with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a good partner, I would say is somebody who's engaged, who's, who's taken action on, on all fronts. Like, of course, I'm biased towards other people that want to be active with attraction just because we're all growing together. We're all like-minded heading towards the same goal, but we all need productive agents too. So, I mean, I would say the most important thing is people get that get plugged in. And in, even if it's a new agent that's just crushing it, selling houses, I'm just as, as happy to see that because I've been there. So to me, it's just those that are consistently staying plugged in, taking action. So I, I don't want to preference one agent versus another. Of course, it's nice to have people that duplicate, but really it's just people that are taking action consistently. Mm-hmm. Some agents will ask me a dozen questions a day. And those are the people that I want to invest in because I know that they're taking action. It's the people that you don't hear from forever and you reach out to them and they still don't have much to say, or they haven't taken action on the last thing that you asked them to do. It's like, you just, you can't do it for them, right? As much as you would love to, you you just can't, right? Sure. Sure. Okay. And then kind of looking back across your entire career, um, you know, obviously there was probably a lot of lessons learned as you went, you know, kind of, you know, as you progressed. Uh, looking back at your former self when you really got into the business, uh, what do you know now that you wish you knew then to kind of accelerate you getting to that point? You know, what are the top kind of things that 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 really the newer people listening to this can kind of apply to maybe accelerate that growth? I would say focus on building equity. And what I mean by that is um, I did a lot of cold calling when I started because I didn't know anybody. So you have to talk to people you don't know. And if I was to start all over again, I would do more in-person networking. And you could apply that to recruiting. You could also apply that to um, sales as well. So even with recruiting, especially in larger centers, we don't have that many agents in our market. So I could go to in-person networking events and see all the same people every time, which is okay. I think you still should do that. But especially in bigger markets, going to meet people in person, shake hands, that's just the best way, I think, to meet people and to build equity in your sphere of influence. And the same thing with recruiting. I mean, you're going to have a certain number of people that you want to keep in touch with. And and it's just simple. I mean, it's different conversations. Yes. It's a different sales cycle because when somebody needs to sell a house, they're going to close if they're motivated in three to six months. If somebody is going to move companies, it might take you six months of constantly talking to somebody who's at least somewhat open-minded to considering a new opportunity just to say yes. And then it might take them another six months to just onboard and finally pull the trigger. Um, so the sales cycle of an agent that says yes is five to six months after they say yes. How long does it take them to get to the point where they say yes? Right. So some people will see, see what you have to offer and they'll move the day that same day. So it's a longer sales cycle and it's not like there's a life event that is requiring them to make a move. Like in real estate, if somebody passes away, somebody gets married, somebody gets divorced, there's a job transfer, job loss. They have a deadline with recruiting. Oftentimes they don't have a deadline unless their broker upsets them, you know, or unless they're a brand new agent. 
So you really have to stay consistently. It's like insurance. You kind of have to sell it, but at the same time, it needs to be their idea. Build equity um, in relationships and, and build depth long-term for sure. Sure, absolutely. Um, and just to kind of close out, where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, I would say look me up on, on YouTube if you want to find out more about what I do. And then if you want to connect for a conversation, look me up on, on Instagram. So you can just search my name and it's super easy to find me on both platforms. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks, Chris, for joining us today. Thanks for our listeners to listening in. We hope you kind of come back for our next episode. And also, hope, hopefully you kind of jotted down some notes and you apply some of this in your business and uh, get some tangible results out of it. Thanks so much and have a great day. If you enjoyed our show, please add a rating for us on Apple or Spotify podcasts. And be sure to come back next time to hear more strategies that will help you grow your business. Until then, this is Jim Turner. And don't forget, you need to put some of these tips to work today. Thanks for listening to the Broker Growth Accelerator podcast by BrokerKit. This episode was produced by Jared White from InPhase Media and created and hosted by Jim Turner from BrokerKit.